So we started speaking last week about Klippas Nega. And we explained how the world is divided into three. <clears throat> into three realms, three domains. There's the domain of Kedusha. In other words, there are objects which are holy and there are actions which are holy. And that's on one side. And on the other side, there's the realm of Gimel Klippas Atmeis, complete Klippa, complete unholiness, meaning that there are certain actions that are unholy and certain objects that are unholy. And then the vast majority of the world falls in between these two poles. Most of the actions that we do and most of the objects with which we come in contact are neutral, but they're not really neutral because they're klipas noiga, they are klipa. Meaning, if our, if our litmus test for something, is it holy or is it not? Holy means does it express Hashem or not? The answer is no, it's klipa. However, most of what we interact with, we have the ability, if we interact with it properly, to be maile to kedusha, to rip off the cover, rip off the klipa, reveal the light and reveal its essence and what it's for, its neshama, and the fact that it was created to serve Hashem. And the Alter Rebbe gave examples of eating l'shem shamayim, saying a joke l'shem shamayim, or any other worldly pursuit that we do, which if it's done properly with the proper intentions, if it's done for Hashem and to serve Hashem, so then this too becomes a holy act. It becomes, it's elevated to the, to the realm of Kedusha. And this is a very important foundation in Chassidus. We're not running away from the world. Um, it's very popular in religion in general, and even in some, in some, uh, schools of thought in Yiddishkeit itself, to view the world as being evil. The world is evil, and the pleasures of the world are, are, are evil. And our job over here in this world is to float, is to uh, put on blinders, to eat the bread and the water, and to have as little to do with Elam Haza as possible, because Elam Haza is evil. And hopefully don't, we, we don't sully our neshamas too much while over here and we go back. Hopefully we're not so impure. Hopefully we don't smell so bad after 120 years when we go back up to heaven. And Yiddishkeit rejects this attitude, and especially Chassidus. Hashem created a world which is good and which is beautiful. On the sixth day of creation, after Hashem finished creating everything, Hashem looked at the world and He says, "Vayara lokim as kala sharasa not toiv, v'hinei toiv mioid." It's not good. It's exceedingly good. You know, when we go, we buy we buy a food. So you look for a hechsher. So there's a little hechsher which is better and a hechsher which is worse. This world got the best hechsher possible. Hashem gave the hechsher. Hashem looks at it and says. Not only it's toiv, it's mahadrin, it's toiv mioid, it's wonderful, it's beautiful, it, ex- it, it exceeds my expectations. Okay, that was me adding in a little. But um, it's unbelievable, the world. And we're like, oh, we're, we, we want to stay away, we don't want to engage. 
that Hashem put us down here in this world because He wanted us to engage the world. He wanted us to engage the world and elevate the world and be involved in the world and make it all L'shem Shemayim. And everything should be L'shem Shemayim. We know that we say, Shmai Yisrael Hashem Aleikeinu Hashem Echad. And the question that's asked by many is, why do we say Hashem Echad? We could say something more powerful. We could say something stronger. We could say Hashem Yachid. We know we all believe that Hashem is Echad, Yachid, and Meyuchad. And what is, the, what is the difference between Echad and Yachid? No? Oh. You said you speak Hebrew. What's the difference between Echad and Yachid? Echad, you mean another one can be. Echad, there can be another one, right? Echad means one. There's, then there can be Shtayim. Yachid means the only one. And the Eberster is the Yachid. is the only one. So why don't we say, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Malakeinu? Yachid. Hashem Yachid, right? Why do you say Echad? Why do we say Echad? And the answer is, that what does Echad mean? Echad. What do we, what, what's the kavana that we have, we're supposed to have when we say Echad? This is a kavana which is brought down in Halacha, that Hashem is the Aleph, he's the, he's the only, he's the one. And the Ches represents the seven heavens and the earth. And the Dalad represents, the four represents, the four ends, the four directions. And how everything, the seven heavens and the earth and all the four directions of the earth are all under the sovereignty of Hashem, they're all battled to Hashem. And in a certain way, Echad is greater than Yachid. Echad means that there are all these different things in this world, a world which is, uh, m- well, there's multiplicity over here, there's so many different things. And recognizing the Hashem, the Aleph within everything, recognizing the Aleph within the Ches, and recognizing the Aleph within the Dalin, it's about engaging the world and revealing within the world um, that the, the, the Ebrister, there's a famous uh, Torah of the Balshamtev on the Pasuk. Um, I believe it's in next week's parsha. Kisira Chamer Senacha Revitz Tachas Masai. Kisira, if you'll see, Chamer Senacha. It's Mishpatim or Kisaitse? It's Mishpatim. Chamer Senacha, the donkey of your enemy. Revitz Tachas Masai, and it's collapsing under its load. Vichadalta Mazoivle, and you would perhaps think maybe I shouldn't help it out. No, no, no. Azev Tazev Imai, help it out. So Bashemtiv says, Kisiraf, you will see. You will look. Chamer. Chamer is often brought as a reference to the chumrius, the very the physicality of the body. You look at the physicality of yourself and you'll think, Sainacha. It hates you. It doesn't want you to learn Torah, it doesn't want you to do mitzvahs. It's your enemy. And Revitz Tachas Masoi, you see that your physical body is straining, collapsing under the load. Of Torah Mitzvahs, which it has. And therefore, you might think, okay, so I'm going to desist from helping out my body. And rather, what am I going to do? I'm going to fast. And I'm going to do other forms of sigufim and abnegation. So no, the Pasuk says, that's not the way. That's not the way to do it. Chesidus is not into fasting, and it's not into sigufim, it's not into denying oneself. And the reason why is because we believe that we're put here in the world to engage the world. And um, to you, by using out the word, L'shem Shemayim, that is the ultimate purpose over here. If Hashem just wanted us to be holy and to learn Torah, then we could have stayed in Gan Eden. But the whole purpose was not yet to come down in this world. And not just that the world is a test and we have to pass through it. But the ultimate kavana is to engage the world and make it holy. And that is done dafke through our daily actions and our daily behaviors. And in that sense, there's an advantage 
of um, the Aveda of Kol Masach Ayu L'Shem Shemaim, of serving Hashem in our mundane matters, but serving Hashem L'Shem Shemaim even over Teira Mitzvahs. Because Teira Mitzvahs, it's not a big trick. They're holy. They're essentially holy. Can I take something which is essentially non-holy and make it into something holy? That's a much greater accomplishment. And that is the accomplishment which, um, which we do when we engage the world and we uh, use it properly. And that was the mistake the Alter Rebbe explains elsewhere. Maybe we discussed this once. That was the mistake of the spies. They wanted to stay in Eretz Yisrael. We spoke about this. Yeah, we spoke. Because they wanted to learn Torah and do mitzvahs. The answer was no. You have to engage. You have to engage the world because that is the, that is the kavanah. Precious is um, a first step, meaning if a person feels him himself to be too weak um, to be able to engage the world properly, and if a person feels that their engagement with the world, instead of him elevating the world, will drag him down, so in that case, obviously, precious would be the answer. But that's not the ultimate kavana. Ultimate kavana is to engage the world. So even when a person is being parush, um, I mean, and this is... Um, I mean, this is a tension which is within Torah. On the one hand, we say, Nedarim Siyagla Prishus, and there is an advantage to Prishus, and there is, some, there is an advantage to being a Nadar. On the other hand, Chazal tells us, Dayacha Masha Asra Alacha Torah, it's enough what Torah forbids for you, there's no need to forbid anything else. So, how do we resolve this conflict? You know, about the, as you mentioned last week about the Nazir, that the Nazir is punished because he didn't take wine, because he didn't partake of wine. And that, so what is, so, but that's the answer. There is step one, there's step two. And we have to be honest with ourselves whenever we're engaging in the world. It's very easy to say, okay, I'm going to engage in the world and I'll, be, and I'll do L'Shem Shamayim. But we have to be honest with ourselves and ask ourselves, am I elevating it or is it, or is it dragging me down? If it's dragging me down, I'm not ready yet to engage with it. But at the same time, we have to recognize that's not the kavana. The kavana is to try to lift ourselves up to the level where we're the master of the world and where we're the owners and we can, and we can engage. In fact, you know the first um, the first Rashi in the Torah talks about that the Torah really should have began from last week's parsha, the mitzvahs Torah mitzvahs. Why does the Torah begin with the story of creation? So Rashi explains, Koyach Maisov, he quotes Apostle, Koyach Mtilim, Koyach Maisov, Higid Amai, that Hashem related, correct, that Hashem related to us the might of his hands. What? Why the Hashem said, The land of the seven nations. And says, Rashi says over there, that uh, one day the world is going to come and they're going to tie them, they're going to say, list him at them, you're a bunch of, you're a bunch of robbers, you're thieves, you stole the land of the seven nations. So when we pull out the Torah and we say the whole world was created by Hashem, so it all belongs to him and he gave it to who he wanted to, and now he decided to give it to us. These days, our days, you see the Palestinians said that Israel belonged to them. It's That's exactly right. what the, the Navi said 2,000 years ago. 100%. Exactly. Not for the, the, uh, but they don't believe in the, they don't believe in the, 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 the
it belonged to Zara Shel Shem, and and the Knanim, they uh, took it away from shame. They they conquered it and took it away from shame. And uh, yeah, that's a famous machloek between Rashi and the Ramban on the topic. Yeah, if it's di- directly related. Now he said this. I don't understand the question, but it, it's anyways, it's on the side, so it's a what? Basically, attention to it. Yeah, it's on the side. It's not directly related to what we're trying to bring out. So, the Tzemach Tzedek, the third, the third Lubavitcher Rebbe, he explains this on a, on a higher level, what's going on over here. So, what does that have to do with to bring this whole thing? And why? So, Hashem pulls out the Torah. So, the Yidin, that's, why, that's why Hashem put in the creation of the world the Torah, so that we have proof. That what do you mean that we're thieves? Hashem created the world, He gave it to who He wanted to, and then He decided to give it to us. In the world, it talks about the creation. And a chanami. So why can't you put brachis further after after the That's another question. Why can't the brachis afterwards? These are all questions. Again, we can give a whole shear just on that. And there are many different questions. And the simplest question is: Throughout history, nations have always been conquering one from one another. Why are we thieves? Everyone does that. But, and there are many answers. The point I want to, I want to, I want to explain this according to Chassidus. Samach Sadak says that the goyim come to the Yidden and say, "You're a bunch of thieves." You're stealing a land. A land doesn't belong to you. Land doesn't belong to Eden. You belong in shuls, and you belong in davening, and you belong learning. List them out them. You're thieves. You don't, you don't belong having a, 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 a department of health and sanitation workers and Wall Street and finances and banks and all these things. That doesn't belong to Eden. You're not Kol Kol Yaakov. You should be in shul davening and then the, the, all the, the worldly, earthly things don't belong to you. That's outside of your mission. It doesn't belong to you. The very notion, which is strange if you think into it, that you didn't have a land. What religion has a land? What religion is connected to a land? A, a religion is an ideal. A religion is a belief system. It's a strange, you're, you're, you're thieves. You're entering an arena that doesn't belong to you. And we pull out the Torah and we say, you're wrong. Hashem created the heavens and the earth. And he decided that we can have the earth also. The earth also, the land also can become holy. We're not thieves. Hashem, Hashem, that's what Hashem decided. And Hashem gave that to us also. But moving on. So the point is, that, and that's why, just last point, the vast majority, the fact that the average Yid spends most of his or her day not in Torah mitzvahs, but in worldly things. Why would Hashem create do that? Historically, that's always been the case. I mean, you had the Pithibachim was sitting in Yeshiva, you had the Asara Batlan, and you had a few of the prestigious people who learned. But the Yidin, the most Yidin, so you have, you have a Kviya Sittim, you learn some Torah in the morning, you learn some Torah at night, you do some mitzvahs, but most of the day were involved in worldly things. Why would Hashem create the world and us in such a fashion? But most of the time, we're just wasting. But we're not wasting it. 
Right, we're saying tachlus hakavana. That's the 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 objective of bias ha'ilam is dafka to engage the world and to elevate the world and bring it to a higher level. So, when we encounter something which is klipas nega, once again, if we use it al l'shem shamayim, so then that becomes elevated. We already learned earlier. If I don't use it l'shem shamayim, but let's say I wake up in the morning. And I'm hungry and I need to eat, so I, I take myself my bowl of Cheerios. Then I didn't impact the food. I didn't do it any service. But I also didn't do it any disservice. In other words, it was Klippas It was an entity which didn't express Hashem, and it remains the same because the way I used it also didn't express Hashem. I wasn't uh, serving Hashem consciously while I was eating it. So those are two options. I can, I can use Klippas or I can go shopping because... I need clothing, no intent, no special intent, so then the act of shopping, the act which I just did, remains an act of klipas nega. Or I can do it and then I elevate it. And then there's a third possibility. And that's what we're going to learn right now. Um, page 22, seven lines from the bottom. Now we're going to learn about the possibility of interacting with klipas nega, and through our interaction, actually causing it to go lower than it was before. So far we discussed the possibility of remaining status quo or elevating, and now we're going to talk about... Right. Ah, however, someone who is a fresser of meat and a guzzler of wine. And this person is eating lamales, taivas, gufay, venafshia, bahamas. He's not eating because he's hungry and he needs to eat. Because if you're eating just because you need to eat and you're hungry, then you didn't, you didn't do anything right, you didn't do anything wrong. But if you ate like a fresser, and you ate more than you needed, and you had your, all your tithes in there, then there's a problem. The problem is that you went against the way of Torah. As the Ramban says in the beginning of Parshish Kedoshim, we know that according to the Ramban, and the Alter Rebbe concurs, the idea of Kaddish Atzbacha B'Mutarlach is a mitzvah sasei min which means that min we are obligated to sanctify ourselves even in the areas which are mutter. The Ramban talks about how um, at, right after in Parshas Achri where it talks about he uh, just finished talking about the halachas of Kasher in Parshas Shmini and then it talked about in Parshas Achri it talks about the forbidden relationships Sternban says, and then the Parsha's Kedoshim begins with the words, Kedoshim to you, you should be holy. Says Ramban, what are you talking about? What does it mean to be holy? Isn't being holy doing Torah mitzvahs? Says the Ramban, no. The Ramban introduces a concept which probably many of you are familiar with. You could be a novel bershus ha which means you could be a low life and fully within the parameters of halacha, meaning that I can sit down every night and have a 20 course meal. Uh, full with uh, and uh, and a few bottles of wine, and uh, I could marry twenty-five women. Okay, this was before <laughs> Rabbeinu Gershon, and I could spend my entire life with them. I didn't do not one thing that's forbidden, but I'm a novel, a novel. I tried a low life, a low life, and therefore the Torah says kedushin to you, even in that which you be holy, even in that which is per- for, um, permitted to you, you have to be holy. You have to be a, so therefore, someone who eats something in an unholy way, you're a, a person who's a baltaiva, a person who's a fresser and a guzzler. So that person is taking a food which is essentially neutral klipas noiga, 
And because this person is doing an act which goes against Torah, so at the moment when the person is doing this, this person is entering the realm. His action is one of Gimel Klippus Atmeis. So you drag down the food together with you. And the food itself also goes down to Gimel Klippus Atmeis. So that is the third way. Remember we said that Klippus Noiga, depending on how we interact with, with it, we can have one of three results. If it's Stam, you had something, nothing negative, nothing positive, you didn't impact it. If you use the L'Shem Shemayim, you elevate it. And if you did it in a very unrefined, you, you, you consumed it or used it or interacted in an unholy way, then you drag it down to Gimel Klippus Atmeis. Inside. So again, Ach, however, Mishu someone who is a fresher of meat. And a guzzler of wine. Thereby fulfilling the tivus, the taiva of the body. As we already learned in the first Peter, in Peter Aleph, that the tivus of the Nafsha Bahamas come from the element of water. We spoke about this, how the Nafsha Bahamas is comprised of four spiritual elements, and one of them is water. From the spiritual element of water, that's where taiva comes from. Through this year, the chayis the vitality of the meat and of the wine, which is now within the person, goes down and temporarily becomes subsumed in the absolute evil of Gimel Klippus Hatmeis. The gufay in the person's body, Nasa Lahan, becomes at this time a Levushu Merkava, a garment and a chariot for the for the clipis. But again, this is all a fisha. This is temporary. until the person returns, and returns to a lifestyle of serving Hashem and learning Torah. Why is it only temporary? Because it was kosher meat. Therefore, so therefore, the food isn't intrinsically tied down. The food isn't intrinsically It's only you dragged it down. So therefore, when you come back up, you can bring the food back up together with you. Therefore, the food and the wine can be elevated once again. When the person returns to a way of serving Hashem. But the food is already consumed already. Yeah, but the energy within the food. The divine energy within the food. Okay. This is actually what the words mutter means. You ever, ever, had, you ever wondered, what does it mean mutter? When you say something is mutter. No, we're in the Hebrew again. Ma pirush mutar. It's okay, but what's, but, but what's the what's the shredish of the word? Extra. Where does it come from? Yes, Extra? It comes from extra? But where does it come from? Mutar, mutar is the opposite of Asur. What does Asur mean? Yeah, tied down. Tied up. Right? Tied down. Mutar means it's not tied. It's free. So the word mutar means that it's not tied down to klipa. That's what the word mutar means. Which means that even if you ate it in an improper fashion, it still isn't tied down to klipa. It can always be elevated back up as long as you do tshuva, and, and it's not even a major tshuva. 
It's not even tshuva. The moment that you return, you lift yourself up out of that place and you return to a holy place, so the energy of that food comes back with you. Kalemar, meaning, she'enei kosher va'asra. The word mutter means it is not tied down in the hands of the klippas, to the point that it cannot return and be elevated once again to Hashem. Rak, however, here's the, bad, here's the bad news. At the end of the day, when you eat something and you cause the food to go down to Gimel Klippas Satmeis, even if afterwards the food is elevated, it does leave an impression, it does leave its, uh, a mark in the body, the klippa, which your body entertained at that time, as opposed to when you eat L'Shem Shamayim, then there's no klippa, everything becomes holy. Volcano, therefore, and therefore the body will need, after a person passes away, we're not going to explain what that is right now, because we're going to talk, a little, we're going to talk about it a little more at length in, in uh in next period, next chapter talks more about chibut hakever. So right now, we'll, it's a punishment for the body, and the purpose of it is just like what does word chibut mean? You, right, it's like what does chibut mean? Ma? Makot. Makot It's like when you take a carpet, right? Shatiach. What do you do with a carpet? You knock it. Why? What do you knock it for? To get all the dust off. So chibut hakever means that there is there is a leftover. Klipa, a residue left in the body. So, in some spiritual manner, they knock, they knock you, and to get off that. Uh, obviously, it's a spiritual process, and we'll talk about it more in Mitzvah next period. And that's yes, that's painful. And that comes from having Hanah from Elam Haza, not L'shem Shemaim. That's where Chibudak Kever comes from, because even if afterwards you return and you do it properly, but at the end of the day. There, you at at least temporarily you housed you hosted klipa in your body and it leaves it, it leaves its mark. No, it's well, almost sense. everybody get uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it next page. Next page, there are ways to avoid it. Next next page, come back. Not next week. We're gonna be talking about that. Probably next week. At, at, at the worst, two weeks from now. Kamachis bar the kamanos will be explained later. Now we're going to move. So now we finished. We finished now with Klipas Neiga. We spoke about the three ways. But now we move on. But what about something which is Gluma Klipsat Meis? What about something which is Asr? Mashenk in Machalos Asurdes would be Yes Asurdes as opposed to food which is Treif or forbidden relationships. Shehein Mishalos Klipsat Meis Lagamri. By the way, if you look in the Lua Hatikon, you don't have it. But there's a line which is taken out over here. Right before Mashenkin, with Altreba adds in. I don't know why it was taken out. The censors, the same thing is also. There's a line which, which is taken out. It's in Luchatikun. Luchatikun means in the corrections to Tanya, they have it. By the way, in the Tanya that you guys got from my son for his bar mitzvah, thank you very much, whoever arranged it. But yeah. so that there, that that's the only Tanya they actually included all the corrections of the Luach Hatikun in the Tanya. This we got it it's a beautiful Tanya. I was so I was so um, enjoyed the Tanya so much. The last week I went out and I got another two just from my house. That Tanya. So <laughs> that's how inspired I was. <clears throat> he did a good job. That's right. He did the shopping. So after the word Lekaman, before Mashenkin, so the, he adds in Vechin Hachayis. 
שבטיפה זרע שיצאו ממנו בטייבה בהיימס, שלי קידש עצמי בשס תשמי שם אישתי טהרה. Which means the same thing is also with the, the vitality, the energy, which are in the drops of sperm, which are, a per, which are expelled from a person when a person has intimate relationships with his wife, when she's toher, when she's pure. And it's mutter 100%. But it was with a taiva bahami, it was with an animal-like uh, um, taiva instead of Hashem Shemaim, that also, that's similar to... Um, the guzzling the meat and the and the guzzling the wine and the fressing the meat, that too, those the vitality within those drops also goes down to Gimel Klipasatmeis because it wasn't done even though it's it's permitted it's Klipas Naiga and that too until the person returns to a way of serving Hashem and Torah at, ta- at which time also the vitality within the act and within those drops become elevated once again to Gitosha. I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. <clears throat> So again, as opposed to trefa um, foods and forbidden relationships, that they are from here we have the word asur, they are tied down. They are forever. In other words, an act which was forbidden. So the energy of that act or an object which is forbidden, like trefa food, it's forever tied down in Klippa. They do not get elevated. They're not elevated. Ad until their day will come. When Mashiach comes, when death will be swallowed up and will be eliminated forever. As it says, at which time there will be no more impurity left. There will be no more Klippa. So at that time, as, we, as we're saying, that Gimel Klippa also has a divine spark. But it's so it's so ungodless, it, ca- it can't be disencumbered, it can't be revealed. But when Mashiach comes, there will be no more klipa, and also Gimel Klip Satmeis will be elevated. The spark, which is within the Gimel Klip Satmeis, will also be elevated to Kedusha. Yes? What do we say in the case of, um, let's say, an assimilated Jew, and who never had exposure to Torah, and then he becomes Makar? By the time we finish this class, your question will be answered. So Mashiach comes Bilah There won't be no more Mavas, no more death, and there won't be any more Ruachatuma, there won't be any more impurity. Because they're connected with each other. What is, where does death come from when Adam and Chava were created? So they were supposed to live forever. So where does death come from? Where does the notion of death come from? Why do I have a feeling we spoke about this once already? Maybe yes, maybe no. The eight and the eight and the eight sadas, and there became this disconnect between the nesham and the guf, and that caused death. Came that disconnect. In other words, before chet eight sadas, you know they went around naked and they weren't embarrassed. What happened? What changed? What dynamic changed? Because before chet eight sadas, the body was a perfect, perfectly in sync with the neshama. The body didn't have its own identity. Um, it didn't have its own desires. It was just a, an extension of the neshama, perfectly transparent to an extension of the neshama. So every single part of the body was holy. The hand was to give tzedakah, and the, the mouth was to sing Hashem's praises, and the eyes were to see the, the Havdalah candle. And everything had, and the sexual organs, they were there to do the mitzvah of period of Rivia. And there, there was no shame in anything, because every single 
um, every single part and limb of the body was completely l'shem shemayim was there. To, it, was, it was it was a perfect, perfectly in sync, and aligned with the neshama. Chetet sedas caused this misalignment, this misalignment, and that brought about death, because now because the, the neshama is eternal. If the neshama and the guf are perfectly aligned, then the guf also is eternal. Just like the neshama, and right, just like the neshama, because it was one, it would be non-perishable. But with the chetit sadas, there became the schism. There was this misalignment that happened, and suddenly the guf is not completely connected to the neshama. So now the guf can die, because the guf isn't one with the neshama. The neshama lives forever. The guf doesn't. That's why it's said by Pakhoi and him. After that, exactly, exactly, eyes open. Their eyes open. Other thing. After what? Oh, after after the eight. So. So we have over here, death comes from detachment from Hashem. That's the definition of death. That's why Klippa is called Mokim HaMavis. It's called the place of death because V'atem Hadveikim, as the Pasuk says, V'atem Hadveikim Hashem Alekeichem. Those of you who are connected to Hashem, Chaim Kolchem. Life is connection to Hashem. Something which isn't connected to Hashem, that's where death is. So before Chadet Sadas, everything was perfectly connected and therefore there was no place for Misa. And so klipa is the definition of death. The def- klipa is death. Klipa means disconnect from Hashem. And that's why when Mashiach comes, there won't be death anymore because obviously if there's still death, that means Mashiach didn't come. In other words, it's not just the Mashiach comes and oh, and by the way, one of the side things is that there's death. If the definition of Mashiach and Geula is, is that everything is connected to Hashem, then death automatically departs. And what is the result of death? Tuma, so Ruach HaTuma, that also is gone. So the whole notion of Klippa and disconnect from Hashem, because that is what Tuma is. Tuma is also a disconnect from Hashem. All that disappears. So when Mashiach comes, there is no more Tuma, there is no more Klippa, and everything, every act, and every um, object, which is Gimel Klippa Satmeis, at that time will be elevated, That something which today can't be. And by the way, that's what it says, that Asil Chazir Litari, even the Chazir, when Mashiach comes, will become, will become Kasher. So it will change its, uh, because now the cow chews its cud. So then will the start chewing its cud then? The Irachayim and the Chassam Sefer both learn that way. They say that, not even the pig, that will start chewing its cud when Mashiach comes. Yeah. The Irachayim points out that the Pasuk, it says, It's an interesting lesson. It's almost like making a condition that the, that the Chazir, that, mafra, that, that it's Mafras' parsa, but who Geir in the event that it doesn't chew its cud, then it's trefu. When Mashiach comes and it starts chewing its cud, then it won't be trefu anymore. That's the Rechaim Taka says that. So that's one. So, so again, Asr, something which is Gimel Klip Satmeis is Asr, is, um, is tied down and it can't be elevated anymore to Kiddusha until Mashiach comes. Is there any other way to elevate Gimel Klipsa What about the assimilated Jew? Before they said that, was there Gimel Klipsa then? Was there Gimel Klipsa Was it part of the Gimel Klipsa How was the world viewed at that point? It's, a good, it's a good question. I don't know. I, I do know that everything was it says in Kabbalah that before the Chet Sadas, so first of all, the entire world was on a higher level, and the klipa then was a shomer for the peri, which means that just like a, a, a peel guards the fruit, it was there to guard kedusha. But I, I would be lying if I say I really understood what that meant. This is, this is, this is above my pay grade. Whether they, whether 
Eitz Hadas Toivara is Klipas Nega. Eitz Hadas Toivara is the definition of Klipas Nega. But the, why, why did he get mothers? So we're, I don't know. I don't know. We're missing, we're, we're missing a link here. It's fine. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't realize this guy was that messy. <laughs> maybe it's messy, maybe I just simply don't know the answer, but I don't know the answer. I, I, don't, I don't... It's fine. I like that. So what about the assimilated Jew who spent his entire life consuming things that are such as etc.? So he Clean it. Oh, there we go. Wow. Let's talk about Shuvah. That's what we're talking about. Oh, that's what we're going to figure out. Oh, or. Or. When a person does such a great Shuvah, to the point as the Buddha Gemara says, that Avedis become mitzvah. It says over there that if someone does tshuva miyira, if someone does tshuva, second, it says it. That if someone does tshuva miyira, tshuva out of fear of Hashem, fear out of punishment, whatever it may be, so then zdoinus nasu loikish gagis. That everything that he has done wrong, Hashem considers them as if they were done wrongly, by mistake, unintentionally. But the someone of the tshuva meyavas dainus nasaleik zachiyus davedis because you're so excited by that. Yeah. Dainus nasaleik zachiyus. There's some hope, I believe. There's a there's a vart from the Yitzchak Radishiver. You know it says. It says on Sukkot. On Sukkot it says, "Well, the kachdem lachem by yim harishin, they should take on the first day pre etzader etc." So the Gemara asks. It's the first day. It's not the first day. It's the fifteenth day of Sukkot. The fifteenth day of Tishrei. What's by Yemar Rishon? So the Gemara says Rishon lechesh ben Avoynus. It's the first day when we you know, we start counting the Avedis, which Pasha uh, Pshat that means the Gemara says that you know in Kippur we get rid of all our Avedis, so we're clean. And then in the four days between Rosh Hashanah between Yom Kippur and Sukkot, who has time to do an Avedis? We're so busy with Lavanesrig and. And Sukkah and all the other hachanas for Yom Tov. No, who has time for Avedis? I don't know. Somehow I never understood that so well. So we find a minute or two over here, over there, right? But the Gemara says there's no time for Avedis. So when's the first time that a person has the ability to do Avedis? So first day Sukkah, sit down the Sukkah. So therefore, the tradition not, now is when the new count of Avedis begins. He says, and in Kippur we do Truva Meyira. In Kippur is the days of Ah, Yomim Neiroim. The word Neiro is related to the word Yira. So Hashem forgives all our Avedis and He throws them in the garbage. But then Sukkah is a It was a time of Simcha, a time of Ahava. Suddenly now we start doing Truva Meira. So now we have to pull all the Avedis out of the garbage. We have to start counting them up because now they all became mitzvahs. So Rishon Lechesh Avedis, today is when we start counting the Avedis of last year because now. They're not irrelevant. In Kippur, they became irrelevant. They were thrown away. But now we have to start counting them because now they all become mitzvahs. But what does that mean? What does it mean that Avedis become mitzvahs? How does that happen? It's, how, how does a zebra become a become, become a place a chimpanzee? A chimpanzee? Like, well, this is Avedis. You want against David? You want to tell me that, that Hashem forgives you? Imagine someone goes and someone comes over to you and slaps you in the face. 
he comes over, he begs, he's very sorry, you'll forgive him. But that become that has become a mitzvah. How does Naveda become a mitzvah? How does Naveda become a mitzvah? There's a, a joke. That there's um Edwin Kipper. So the guy goes to show you know, two hours for him, Kipper. And he sees his friend, and his friend looks very sad. <clears throat> and uh, he asks him, why are you so sad? So he says, it's in Kippur. And everyone's co- coming to Shul to do Tshuva for Averis, thank you. I didn't do any Averis last year, so I have nothing to do Tshuva for. So I'm sad. <laughs> what am I going to do on Yom Kippur? Everyone is, everyone is all inspired and doing Tshuva, and I didn't do any Averis. So the guy says, listen, you're right, that's not a problem. But there's still time. Still time to do an Avera. So he said, why don't you go on the next block? There lives that guy. His name is Moshe. He's a horrible guy, and everyone hates him. He's a rude, nasty person. Go beat him up. And then you'll have your Avera, and you'll come back to Shul. I said, it's a wonderful idea. So he goes next, goes down the block, and he knocks on Moshe's door. Moshe opens up. And he goes, and he knocks him, and makes him black and blue all over. And he walks out with a smile on his face. He did his Avera. And as he's walking out of the house, so this, uh, this, Moshe's, uh, this guy, this nasty guy's wife comes running after him and says, I have to tell you, you have no idea what kind of mitzvah you just did. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about Averis becoming mitzvahs. Come back and beat him more. <laughs> so what's the dynamic? How does Averis become a mitzvah? So let's do inside. Oh, he says, Another way to elevate it's not only the other way, in other words, other than the option of waiting until Mashiach comes, another way is until a person does such a great shuva, Mamish, literally. What is this great level of shuva? Which is shuva meyava, this is a shuva of love. Which comes from the depths of the heart, with incredible love. And a desire. And a soul that is thirsty. To connect to Hashem. And this person's neshama is thirsty for Hashem. Like a barren and parched land is thirsty for water. Why? Because because until now, his neshama was in the place of, of thirst and, and death. And neshama was so far from the light of Hashem, ultimately distant. And therefore, his soul thirsts. Even more so, than the thirst of the souls of Sadiqim. And this explains that in the place where Balichuva stands, Sadiqim Gemurim can't stand there. What's he saying? He's saying a Chuva Miyava brings you, Chuva brings you, if you have Chuva Miyava, that brings you to a place where a Tzadik couldn't have been. The passion. And the enthusiasm of the Balchuva, described in the Zoyar, the new, the, the strength 
with which the Batshuva serves Hashem is unparalleled. The tzaddik can't relate to that kind of uh, avodah. And why is that? It's a direct result of where he was. You don't appreciate light until you've been in the, in the darkness for a while. You know, you don't appreciate being able to walk on a, on a sidewalk until after um, 25 inches of snow was, uh, <laughs> has fallen. And for two days, you can't go anywhere. Suddenly, you appreciate the absence makes something so much more appreciated. The person who's been away from his, uh, who's been in captivity and away from his father for 20 years and meets his father again after 20 years, you can imagine the love and the feelings and the emotions, and that's the Balchana. And therefore, what? It's a similar idea. Similar idea. It was in the dark all this time. The Balchana is crazy. A, nor, a tzaddik is normal. Serves Hashem normally. The Balshuva, I'm, I'm talking crazy in a good way. Serves the Eibeshter with, not and not in a normal way, not within the, not in the box, but he, he can't contain, can't contain himself, his joy and his passion, crazy and he's so excited. What crazy in love? There you go, crazy in love. With the, with the Enthusi- romance. Enthusiasm. Enthusiasm, right? You have the. Um, a story that illustrates this well is a story of Michal Bashal. That um, Michal Bashal, Michal, the daughter of Shalom Al, she was married to David Amal. And um, it's one of the Aftaritas, I don't remember which week it is. I think probably in the end of, towards end of Shemais, maybe. Where it talks about how when David brought the Arain from base Oyved Hagiti, right? And David says that he was dancing and I don't know the literal, but he was happy. happy. Yeah, but, but beyond the normal, jumping and somersaults and uh, like, a, like a young boy. And Michal Bashol, his wife, looks out the window and sees her husband and she was disgusted. Right, <laughs> and after the day, afterwards, uh, he comes home that night, and his wife meets him, as wife sometimes do, with a look on the face, and says, <laughs> "How wonderful today is, the day when the Melech Yisrael, the King of Israel, revealed himself before Amahoisa, before his maidservants, like one of the lowlifes." And David Melech has a very interesting response there, and he says. I don't remember the exact words, you'll forgive me, but Hashem, Asher Bachar, who chose me over your father, he chose me to be a king over Kuala Yisrael, and I dance before him. It is my honor to dance before him. And if I were to further belittle myself and disgrace myself, myself before those very maidservants whom you mentioned, that would be my greatest honor. It's my greatest honor to disgrace myself before Hashem and dancing in that way. Yeah. And, and what's explained is that the difference between David and Michal is that Michal grew up in the house of a tzaddik. Shalom Alech was a tzaddik. The Gemara says, He didn't have any averis. He was a royal person. He was Meshich Moelamayla Gavaya. He was, um, even his mistakes were holy mistakes. They weren't, uh, weren't like David and Melech's mistakes, which were more of the 
of more base nature. And the Gemara says that the that's about Shaul. He says even that's why he didn't didn't last as a king because he didn't have any doifi. He didn't have any uh, blemish. Blemish. He didn't have any blemishes. And therefore, he couldn't handle the ones that he messed up because he was a, it, 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 he, he he had the soul of a tzaddik. And in fact, um, Shaul Hamelach comes from Binyamin. Shaul from Binyamin. Binyamin was a tzaddik. Binyamin was one of the four people the Gemara says who died without sin. Mis be'et Yisrael Nachos who died because of. Uh, so, Binyamin comes from uh, um, Shaul comes from Binyamin who's a tzaddik. Binyamin was the only one of the Shvatim who was born in in Eretz Yisrael. And in general, Rachel was the beautiful one. Rachel was the tzaddikus, and Leah was the one who was crying, and she was meant to be for, for, for Esav. She was the Balchuva. That's why she was crying. And David Amela comes from Yehuda, who never stopped messing up. Yehuda. He was always. He was, he's, he's the first one. He did tshuva. Tzad many, right? And with Yosef, he was the Yehuda was the Balchuva, and David the same thing. David was the Balchuva. <clears throat> David was a Admoini. He was a redhead. A red face, which shows on Gevuris, and he was in, he had passions. And eventually, we know that it says about David that we have uh, in Perik Aleph that he was he became a tzaddik. Hargi betainis, he, he destroyed, he completely destroyed his Yitzhahara. But right, but he but he but he was but he was about shuva. David was essentially about shuva. And therefore, because David was about shuva, so his avoda was one which wasn't without any constraints, without any hagbalas, without any limitations. He was so excited about serving Hashem. And, and, and Michal couldn't relate to it. She never saw this by her father. So when David was saying to his wife, Hashem who chose me above your father, he wasn't trying to make Shalom by his problems. Because you think, because it's a nasty way to respond. You think, isn't it? Hashem who chose me from your father, I'm dancing before him. Skip that. Just say, I'm dancing before Hashem. But he was explaining something to her. He was saying, your father was a tzaddik, but Hashem chose me. He chose about tshuva. He likes this. He likes this. Uh, this is what Hashem chooses. This avoda, which is bechela yater, with this greater strength. And this, and this greater strength and this, uh, and this passion and this enthusiasm is a direct result of the darkness where the Balchuva was beforehand. The darkness that he experienced beforehand causes him to desire the Eberster and have this incredible thirst for Hashem. So in hindsight, what are the Avedas? That's true. But the fact is, he was doing tshuva his whole life. So... Technically, he wasn't over the Isra of Eshashish. Technically, he wasn't over the Isra of, of, of murder. But he, he did something wrong. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So he, 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 didn't, do the, he, he didn't do the technical sins. But uh, that's besides the point. The point here is when a person does tshuva mi'ahava and reaches that point, the point where the tzaddik can only look at him and wonder and say, where is that from? So what is the Avera in hindsight? The Avera was his ladder. The Avera is what, if, if not for the Avera, he would never have reached that place. Zdainus mm-hmm. The Avera becomes a mitzvah also. So if you do, so Hashem does a kindness and Hashem will forgive your Avera. That's beautiful. You know, Hashem is so kind, he forgives our Averas. 
we take it for granted. There's no justice system in the world that forgives all uh, crimes, even the worst possible crimes, and even if done multiple times, and Hashem does exactly that. doesn't make a difference what you did. It doesn't make a difference how many times you do it. He forgives you. And you know what? You do it again next day, He'll forgive you again. And the next day He'll forgive you again. This is because Hashem's rachmim is bleakful. Hashem's mercy, it's, it's unfathomable. We say, um, that Hashem removes our sins every year. We have to stop for a moment and think about the incredible chesed. Imagine if there was a person who every year came and <laughs> abused you, and then every year came and asked again for forgiveness. Would you do it? But Hashem is different. But that's only by Tshuva Meira. Tshuva Meira, Hashem is doing a kindness to you, and He's forgiving. Tshuva Meira, the Avera itself, at this moment, became the Hechsher Mitzvah. It became, it became the way that you became, that you... Uh, you know, it's a retrospect. Absolutely, in retrospect. On the, on the way up. It's only on the way up. Only in, retro, only in hindsight, only in, in retrospect. Hindsight. Yes, yes, yes. Let's do further insight. And regarding tshuva, from this great level of love, Amru Chazal said, Why? Because it is through this, it is through the Avera, that Bala Ava Rabazu. Aval Tshuva Shlemi Avazu. But Tshuva, that's not from this Ava, Avshahi Tshuva Nachinam. Even though it's a proper tshuva. In other words, the standard tshuva, I'm sorry, I regret, I move on. It's a normal, it's a, it's a proper tshuva. Vashem yislach Hashem will forgive the person. do not become like mitzvahs. And the vitality of the act or the, or the, or, or the object does not go out of klippam. Ad a skates until the time of the end when Mashiach comes. When death will be eradicated forever. So you have the answer to your question. So the person who was an assimilated person, who knew darkness, but because of that darkness, when they do a mitzvah, they appreciate the mitzvah. You see sometimes, someone, sometimes someone about shuva, the way they do a mitzvah, it's just, uh, it's with a different, a different passion. Yeah, the, you know, to us, okay, been there, done that. But the Balchuvah is different. They get to light the Menorah, they get to every time a mitzvah is, um, that, is the, that is the Madriga of a Balchuvah, which um, is greater than a tzaddik, which redeems the Averis. We're going to continue on this Mitzvah next week, obviously, um, a little more on this topic of Balchuvah. But uh, just to conclude with the obvious that today the name Balchuvah has been hijacked. The only way that you can be a Balchuvah today, what? It's if you were a secular person before. Secular person. But if you grew up in a from house, the only way you can be about Shuvah is you have to become a secular for a few years. You have to throw off your yamalka and your chitzis and eat treif, and then you can become about Shuvah. But if you ate kosher your entire life, then you can't be about Shuvah. So that's, I'm saying, a popular... Uh, misconception. It's a misconception. Misuse. What? Misuse of the term. It's not a misuse. In other words, someone taka who was secular and becomes from that, that is about Shuvah. But that's that they don't have exclusive rights to that. Every one of us should want to become Balchuva. Because we're, wherever we are, we all do Averis, we all mess up, we all experience darkness 
in our life and distance from Hashem. And a Baal means an emiss of Baal Tshuva. Baal Tshuva talks spoken about over here is someone who actually uses that as a catapult, those neg- negative experiences to bring him to a deeper and greater relationship with Hashem, with Hashem than would have been possible otherwise.